This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Podcast. I'm here with Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi, Annie. Thanks for having me. So first, you're going to have to tell me what the quote behind you says, because otherwise I'll be wondering this. Whole thing. Oh, uh, it says, the most important work you will ever do will be within the walls of your home. Oh, I love that. Yes. That's yeah. really special. That's great. So true. Um, it's amazing. So why don't you take me sort of back to the beginning with your story? Where did, where did your journey begin? Sure. So I got sober about three and a half years ago. And alcohol was something that always came up for me. Uh, something didn't happen every time I drank, but anytime something bad did happen, alcohol was always involved. So I questioned over the years whether my drinking was problematic. I had increasing blackouts. And yet anytime I would do that Google search, I could always rule out that I was an alcoholic because there was one or two questions that, that I could weed out of there. Like I don't come from a long line of alcoholics. My parents really never drank. Even if I checked yes on every other question, I gave myself a free pass for, for those couple of things. So I didn't feel like I fit the mold that I believed. I thought it was very, very black and white. And then the other thing that led me to justify drinking to myself was I was able to quit many times. I quit, you know, five times. I have five kids. I quit every pregnancy for nine months. And so I justified to myself that I must not have a problem. But every time I went back to it, it was always as bad or worse than it was before. So I started doing the thing where I made rules. I only drank a certain drink, or I only drank two, or only on the weekends, and all of those rules. And I always broke the rules. And it just made my obsession over it even stronger. And finally, I couldn't, I just couldn't keep up with the consequences. I started having marriage problems, all those things, they say they're going to happen, you know, problems with friendships. Um, I got in trouble with the law. I got a DUI. I had problems with my health and I was in and out of the hospital. And finally, it just didn't matter anymore whether I could check all the boxes or not. I just decided I'd rather say I'm an alcoholic than try and live the life I was living anymore. And so I started my journey in AA. I worked the program. I found a great home group. I found a wonderful group of women and I just kept, kept taking next steps. And then as I got sober, those feelings that were coming up. Now I had to deal with those feelings. And, and so I started working with a doctor, um, started taking medication, started working with a therapist, worked through all this past trauma, and I started journaling. And, you know, I thought it would really be about getting sober, but it ended up just being so much more. Um, I started talking to people more about my story. I was sharing what I'd been through. And then after two years of this, I, I felt like I understood myself more than I ever had in my entire life. And, and that's why when I kind of decided to take the stream of consciousness and, you know, it ended up being this journal of, of my life, this chronology of my life um, into a book. And other women's stories have been so important to me. You know, I really just wanted to pay it forward. Um, so that's kind of how I found myself in recovery coaching. I, you know, like, I love how you say you're an accidental author, because I find myself that I'm an accidental recovery coach, because I was actually wanting to write a book. And I wanted to get more education around it, not just this life experience. So 
you know, about myself, about addiction. I started doing coursework in addiction and, and recovery coaching. And, and so I could just add more value. And that is when I found your book. And even though I was two years in, I remember very vividly, I was going to actually the gal who brought me to my first AA meeting, I was going to her five year coin um, celebration. And I listened to your audible of the on the way. And it was a 90 minute drive. And I just remember feeling angry listening to it. I was angry because I couldn't believe how many of the beliefs, even two years sober, how many of the beliefs that I still had two years in, you know, and being a science-minded person, I, you know, I have a degree in science. I couldn't believe I never saw, like, how did I not see this? The marketing, how dangerous it is, how damaging. And, and to me, it was like, how did I not know this? Why, why is this not taught in school? How do I know that cigarettes are so dangerous, but I didn't know about alcohol? And, and really, that's what kind of lit the fire in me to you know, start sharing and writing about it and to seek change and produce content to kind of spread the message. And that's how I got led to, you know, being in your coaching program. So that kind of brings us to where we are now. <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, so, so much of that I want to, I want to kind of back up to, uh, and just, first of all, some, some key kind of areas of your story. Like I know that um, we both talk a lot about like the mom wine culture. And so what did, what did that look like really specifically for you kind of in your life? Well, I would say that if there was any area that I was questioning, um, you know, if you go to like the play areas where they were serving booze, even if I had that initial like, ooh, this, this feels weird, I, I could always justify it. I could justify anything based on anyone else's behavior. And, and it's the collective, I think it's just the collective conditioning that it's something moms do is, is the most damaging thing. Um, you know, so that, that's something I, I talk a lot about too, especially right now with this quarantine and the quarantinies and all the memes and everything, you know, the moms that I'm working with right now, and, and I work with actually almost all of my clients are moms. And, and what I'm hearing now is the same thing I felt like now they're home and they're realizing they're not social drinkers because we're not being social. So that, that part's taken out and it's not, situational. They're not going on vacation. They're not, um, you know, with certain people, it's not happy hours work. It's just all of a sudden I'm realizing I need this drink. And that's kind of the point that I got to that. I, I could justify it based on, Oh, I'm on vacation. I'm day drinking. I'm by the lake. Or, um, you know, this is, this is what we do at happy hour. Um, you know, now it, it got hard to justify. And I think that's where a lot of moms are getting to now is they're confronted with, with this behavior that maybe is, is not what they thought it was. Yeah. And then, and then that's really difficult because it creates all this, you know, cognitive dissonance and all this internal, internal drama. And then that layers on additional guilt and feeling bad and having to kind of justify and whatnot. So yeah, what do you think the best way is to like help moms know, um, you know, put down those weapons of kind of blame and shame and, help them question it, but not question themselves? I think for me, like the information was so important. And, and again, like one thing, like I said, that kept me from seeking help 
for so long or kept me from labeling myself worse for so long was that idea that there was a diagnosis for alcoholic, you know, uh, there's alcoholic in, in the medical, you know, journals of medicine, like there is no such thing. And once, you know, there's no blood test. There's no, there's thousands of diagnostic quizzes online you can take, but there is, there is no definition of alcoholic. And so I was always able to steer myself out. And, and so I think the bigger piece is just the information of it, where we live in this society where everybody knows how parabens may be endocrine disrupting. And everybody knows that, again, cigarettes cause cancer. And, and, but yet we have no clue how bad alcohol is. And, and I can, again, I considered myself a very educated consumer and I had no idea. I had no idea how I was being marketed to. Um, and so I think it's hard when, when you do have such a black and white, people think it's such a black and white definition and not knowing it's such a gray area. Um, I think information is the only way to combat it. You know, how many people it kills and the fact that it's killing more women every year. Um, I think that's important to share. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think like the information, like there's two pieces of that that I, that I find interesting. First is this idea that like in order to consume information, we have to open a door somehow. Like we have to have some impetus for it. And I think that, that um, one of the things that I talk about so much, and I know we've, we've talked about before, is just like this idea of, of curiosity of what could it be like? What is it like? You know, putting down some of our preconceived notions about how bad or painful or negative or shaming it is going to be and just saying, okay, well, what, what is it? Like, let's just, let's just pretend I don't know what sobriety is. Let's just put that away and and ask like, what could it be like? So I, I think we have to have kind of a doorway into the information. And then I think in addition to information kind of waking us up, it also really actually does interestingly help us put down those weapons of blame and shame because the information proves to you that your brain is doing exactly what it was always intended to do, right? Like it, it shows you that your brain is working right. It's just that alcohol um, in the brain is it confuses it and it becomes addictive. And so it actually shows you that like, there's, there's nothing wrong with you as a human, you know, you're just made up of this stuff like blood and bones that humans are made up of and alcohol is addictive to humans. And, and a lot of that, and of course there's varying um, life experiences that can have you fall into it sooner or later. But the reality is that like that, I think really helps too, to, to just have that type of information. So I totally agree with you. I feel like information is, is really key. Yeah, and I think too the the idea that um, you know again it is an addictive substance. It's not some sort of moral failure within yourself, and and that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to get you addicted, and so to kind of take away that that aspect of it, which I think is is something that has been hard to break through in the recovery community, and where there's still a lot of stigma and judgment. Um, whether you're addicted versus not addicted or you're an alcoholic versus non-alcoholic, like that really, you know, I reject the idea that anyone seeking recovery is doing it wrong. And, and so I think the fact that someone is looking at a way to ingest less of a drug should be the point, no matter what program you're in. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, one of the things I also wanted to, to go back into your story in addition to the mommy wine culture, but let's talk about, if you don't mind, like let's talk about your brush with the law. And was that a big impetus for changing or did it take some time after that? And what were the circumstances? What did that look like? 
So it was about six months before I quit. Um, and I you know, was driving at night and had too much to drink, but it was not the first time I drove drunk. And um, it was just the first time I got caught. And what was the most surprising about it, um, which by the way, getting a DUI, especially in Washington state, is, is there's so much involved, so much money, so many consequences. Like I, I, I again, something I didn't know. I, I had no idea and, and you know, naivety on my part a little bit, but I had no idea what went into this. Um, but after the fact, you know, the next day when I, you know, had all these, you know, I got arrested. I, I, I got a DUI. The amount of people who, again, it was that justification. Oh, I've driven drunk before. Oh, that could have happened to me. And all of a sudden it softened what a really serious consequence it was. So it wasn't, I mean, it's sad to say it wasn't the actual DUI. I mean, I didn't drive drunk ever again after that. Um, but, but I remember going to, um, we had a required class that we had to go to. It was one of the many things I had to do. And there were several people in the class who all had also had alcohol related offenses. And one of the questions was, what are you going to do to remedy this? Um, and so many of the people in the class were like, oh, sobriety, sobriety, I'm not going to drink anymore. And, and my gut reaction was, you're going to stop drinking over that? That's really where I was, was the thought that, oh, I mean, that's just a thing that happened. And it, so even at that point, with, through those consequences, it still wasn't sinking in. So it wasn't until I had the breathalyzer put in my car. And that was, it was in November, and I, I ended up getting sober in January, so just a couple months before. And that was really the thing that opened my eyes because I had to stop drinking so much more. Um, I couldn't have the beer with dinner. Mm. I couldn't have, um, I couldn't even drink really much at night because the next morning I wouldn't be able to start my car to take my kids to school. And there were times when my car would not start. So it was extremely you know, for lack of a better word, sobering. I mean, it literally made it so I could not drink. And, you know, I had five kids to take care of. And it was when I had the breathalyzer installed that I had to have the conversation with my kids. And it was something that I thought I was hiding really well. And the questions from them were so difficult to answer. Like, why do you drink? Why do people drink if you can get arrested? You know, if you can get in trouble with the law, you know, or why, why, why do they serve alcohol in restaurants if you have to drive home after? And literally questions I, I didn't think they could even comprehend because they were pretty little at the time. And all of a sudden I was answering these questions that I never had to confront. And, and what really got to me was I wondered what they weren't asking me. Yeah. And, and so it was that. And, and again, a, you know, a couple of months of trying to control it that I just said, this, you know, I cannot do this anymore. That was, that was really the thing that, that, pushed it over the edge. Oh, that's so, wow. I mean, thanks for sharing that story. I think that it, it is amazing how something like that can just get like normalized. <laughs> like, and I remember that with a friend of mine who had gotten a DUI too. And it was just really like you, I think we do, I mean, we do it with the best intentions. We want to help each other feel better. And I mean, that's really why we're drinking in the first place, just to feel better, you know, doing the best we can with the tools we have. But um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And I mean, you, so in your, in your journey now, um, 
how has it been sort of like socially and, and with friends and stuff? Did you find that easy to navigate, difficult? You know, I think for me, I had to get through every season. Really the first year it was just, okay, now how do I celebrate a birthday sober? And, and how do I um, have Christmas sober? And how do I do all these things? And, and there was a period with my husband at first, because that was a big part of our relationship. I think with a lot of couples who drink, um, that, that was a lot of the way we connected. And we would go, we, we used to take beer making classes and we used to do all these things that really centered around alcohol. And we just had to find replacements. Um, and so it was just kind of developing a new routine and getting, you know, figuring out what I really wanted, what things that I liked and didn't like. Um, and, and I realized how much I was just kind of going along with the status quo instead of like seeking out things that I liked and wanted. And once I started experiencing things, um, which in fact, I talk about this a lot, but one of my, the first vacation I took sober was to Munich for Oktoberfest. And, and so you think about being sober at Oktoberfest, you know, that was, that was my worry. And that was one of the things I was like, oh, I can't get sober till after Oktoberfest, which was like, I was the, you know, putting off the inevitable, but it was great. Like it was amazing. And, and once I started experiencing things and experiencing vacations and realizing, wow, not only can I do this, but I remember it and it's fun. And I don't feel like crap when I wake up. Um, it really was, I think through that first year that I thought, okay, you know, I, I can deal with this too. But there was certainly um, socially things I had to temper. Um, you know, I would leave early from places if people were drinking because they would annoy me, um, you know, and, and, and things like that. But, but it really was just me being so strong in my resolve and how it was positively impacting my life rather than what I was missing because I didn't have it. And I think that is what the, that was the biggest switch for me was any time I had tried to quit before that, it was, well, I'm not having as much fun as they are or I'm not enjoying my food as much as they are, or whatever belief, you know, that I thought I had, that I thought was true around alcohol, you know, I, I realized that there were more benefits. And, and, you know, I think you say this quite a bit is, you know, not waiting until it's bad, like, is it bad enough to quit? Or is this good enough for me? And, and when I realized that life was better and things were better and more enjoyable, um, then, then there was just no question. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt too. Is like, you know, and, and putting that perspective shift, putting that reframe on it, I think is so vital because, you know, as we talked about in the um, coach training, you know, it really is the, the long-term habit change. They have to stem from positive emotions and positive emotions don't have to mean happy, happy, joy, joy. Positive emotions can be courage. I mean, positive emotions can be determination can feel really positive or, you know, being proud of yourself or little accomplishments or whatever. But all of those things, you know, have to shift from, um, I'm just doing this because I should do it, or I think I need to, or because it's gotten so bad because those things don't work. I mean, if stuff like that worked, then as soon as your doctor said, Hey, you should drink a bit less, you'd drink a bit less, you know, or as yep. soon as some article came out in the newspaper saying, Hey, you know, alcohol is killing more people than like, um, whatever, then you just, you just stop, but that's right. just not true. So no. it's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, I want to ask you the two final questions here. So first of all, Emily, where can people find you and um, find your work? So my website is highlightreallife.com and it's R-E-A-L, real life. 
Um, and I'm on Instagram, Highlight Real Recovery. Awesome. And your book is Highlight Real as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. So good. I love that. Um, and then um, what would you tell yourself if you were going to go sort of back in time and talk to yourself about what life is, is like now um, when you felt like alcohol was really the thing keeping you sane? What, what would you say? I would say, what I would say to myself is you're asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. Um, my question myself was, am I an alcoholic? Do I have a problem with alcohol? And, you know, what I should have been asking, I don't say should, like in a judgmental way, but what I want people and people I work with is what I say is, you know, is alcohol adding benefit to your life? And so I try and reframe those questions. And had I asked myself that years ago, the answer would have been no. So good. So good. Yeah. I love that. Better questions, better answers. I I was telling my son um, a few weeks ago that our brains are basically like Google, you know, and Mm -hmm. if whatever question we put in, we're going to get an answer. So if you put in the question, like, why does school suck? (laughs) This was, you're going to find reasons. Oh yeah. You'll find any reason you're asking. Right. But if you're like, what's great about going to school, then you'll find that answer too. Like you just have to, so better questions. I mean, they're truly, um, the shape of, you know, making your life better. And I mean, that goes hand in hand with curiosity and just saying, okay, what's a better question? I love that so much. It's great. Yeah. And I think also saying to myself that there's, there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with you. This isn't a defect within you. Yes. Um, this is what alcohol is meant to do. And that's, what, that's something I just feel like like when I read your book, I'm like, why aren't seniors in high school reading this? You know, just the information is so important. And, and yes. it's not a, it's a human, human problem. It's not just an individual problem. Yeah, so true. And yeah, hopefully we will get seniors in high school to read it or we'll make a more <laughs> senior friendly one or something. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much to do. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate it. It's great to hear your story and get to know you better. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hi, super exciting news. So the Alcohol Experiment book is being released, actually got released just a few days ago with the expanded edition. What does expanded edition mean? It means that every single day throughout the book, there are deep reflective journal entries that have been added with space to write, which is so cool and so exciting. So you really make it your own. And the reason I did this is because I truly believe that the deepest wisdom you will access throughout the 30 days of the alcohol experiment comes from within you. You know more about what's best for you than anybody else in the entire world. And I know sometimes that can be hard to believe, but when you really access your own wisdom, it is so profound. So you can pick up your own copy at alcoholexperimentbook.com and check it out. It's really powerful. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.